Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, want to shout out our counterpart podcast. That is, of course, the Press Box. And, you know, I mentioned the dog days of summer. Unfortunately, and fortunately, I guess, the news never stops. And, and neither does the jokes on Twitter. So all the overused Twitter jokes of the week, keep sending them into the Press Box. Again, it is Brian Curtis, David Shoemaker, one of the best shows that we have on the Ringer Podcast Network. Always an enjoyable listen. It's Kyle's favorite podcast. Um, we both have had to edit it at some point in the past, um, so we have an appreciation for it. But again, love those two guys. Love that podcast. Go check it out now, the Press Box Pod. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we've got our guy, Stephen Bardot, a Big Ten aficionado and extraordinaire, someone that played for the Flying Illini and went to the Final Four in 1989 in Seattle. He's going to come on the show, break down what's happening in Big Ten country in the offseason and some of the bigger offseason topics in general. Always love having Bardot on the show. He's a great guy. Um, you know, always makes me laugh. Always got some good insights on, uh, you know, what's happening in Big Ten world. So that'll be good stuff. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, there was some controversy on our last show talking about uh, flight, you know, seating arrangements and families and things like that. Evan Turner uh, stuck his neck out there and basically was like, um, I'm going to fight this fight. And uh, we, we are now in the crossfires of this. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I also got a big picture pitch about what we should do during this down period of, of basketball coverage before we get to the World Cup. We need something. I'm thinking the Foot Locker Slam Fest should come back, but we'll try to figure that out and sift through that. Um, Kyle, anything anything else before we get into today's episode? I rolled a dice on my passport. Now I got to cancel some international flights. But first, Woody Durham. Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. I am your host, Tate Frazier, and we are at Spotify HQ in downtown Los Angeles. And I am sitting across from my producer, Kyle. And Kyle, did you get a passport? That's what the world is wondering. Did you go to Tijuana? Will you be going to Sweden? The Spotify executives that we walked in with, they're like, Kyle, we'll see you there. What's the update? Well, you're sitting across from your uh, 
melancholy producer Kyle because he is probably not going to Sweden. Uh, melancholy I, is probably the best word for it. I yes, think you, you seem a little distraught. And honestly, it's not the worst thing in the world. I didn't want. I didn't love the idea of the big flight. I'm not a big see the world guy. I probably should be, but at this mm. point in my life, I'm like, I think I'd rather be in Poughkeepsie. Where I'm still going. I'm flying out tomorrow morning. If you're hearing this, I'm I'm already on the plane. Uh, I I went to you know they have this thing the urgent the urgent passport uh, uh, process like expedition yeah. expedition process through through the passport the government passport office and you have to you have to be 14 days uh before international travel and i, I love tried this to red get, tape that you're going through for <laughs> I, us I tried like, to, if you need I'll, your passport listen to Kyle i'll right make now. it quick i tried to <laughs> I, I tried to game the system and do it before my new york travel they said uh don't fuck around you have to you have it has to be before international travel i call 14 days 6 a.m as soon as possible uh within 14 days of international travel and they say oh they're booked up uh all around you and all around los angeles I was even going to go to New Hampshire, perhaps. Nothing. There's nothing to be done. It's a bad system. The government has failed us. Burn it down. No, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in Poughkeepsie and I'm going to go back home. I'm sorry for uh, the two people I said I would hang out with in Sweden. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you'll be able to go to Sweden when I'm, when I'm ready to go. Next. I think that we should go to Sweden together. We do a little OSP. I'm abroad. your bag man. I got to be, yeah. I need someone in tow with me. In fact, when I travel alone these days, like you said, I, I don't really like flying anymore. Um, I had a, I was petrified of heights when I was growing up. Then I jumped out of an airplane when I turned 21 in Spain. That was supposed to get me over my fear of heights. Guess what folks? Exponentially. It was worse <laughs> than I even imagined. Uh, falling 60 seconds free fall, uh, you know, out of an airplane. It was way worse than I imagined. Um, and that confirmed, I don't, you know, so if I'm going to have to fly to Sweden, I want to fly with a, a, a buddy, a partner. And I was excited because our buddy Troy went and he actually lived there for like, I don't know, three months or something. Guy, guy's got incredible stories. Troy's the he, most interesting man around. <laughs> we got to get him on the show. He just, he got me so hyped up because he was like, man, they love Americans over there. And in this day and age, I think that's hard to find. And he, he was over there kind of semi recently. And he's like, yeah, they still love us, man. And they want to ask questions. And I'm like, well, I got answers. So. Uh, maybe we can go together and answer some questions. Yeah, I'm pretty swayed easily. When I went to Croatia, all the Croatians I, were t I was talking to that spoke English, they were like, we love American basketball. And I'm like, yes, I'm that's us. Yeah, I mean, I, I was like, I love you guys. You guys are my favorite. We're pretty easy to win You want to know about 92? I got everything about 92. <laughs> well, let's talk about 92 because I have a, a we got a couple things uh, at the top of the show and then we're going to get into Stephen Bardot. He's going to talk about the Big Ten and what's happening in the offseason of college basketball. But first, I want to throw out a big picture idea. We're in the dog days of summer. There's nothing going on. I'm, I'm scrambling right now for topics because uh, I got the TV show through the ringer. They're like, we need guests. We need, you know, big news updates. The big news is that nothing is going on. Uh, I guess the Women's World Cup, if you want to engage. Rodgers talking shit. Right. <laughs> if you want to engage with Aaron Rodgers talking shit or Carly Lloyd talking shit, that's pretty much what the news cycle is right now. So I'm trying to figure out what we need in these days outside of baseball. Obviously, if you love baseball, you're locked into your team. It's a very regional sport. We get it. Um, but I was looking back at some of the things that used to happen in the sports calendar. We need the Slam Fest back, folks. Yes, that's right. The Foot Locker Slam Fest. The most famous thing that happened in this, of course, is Mike Conley Sr., not Mike Conley Jr., the track star Mike Conley Sr., the gold medalist, dunked from the free throw line. Hey. And shocked the world. I mean, it, it was like uh, one of those events where Barry Bonds is in it, King Griffey Jr. is in it. They have 16 um, athletes from different sports, and they were doing a dunk contest. I think we can do an updated version of this. And maybe, let's be kind to our sponsors. Maybe we do a Simply Safe Shoot Fest, uh, a Simply Safe Shooting Fest. And um, it is 
all these great shooters from different sports, whether you play baseball, uh, whether you play soccer, maybe Messi's in it, right? He comes to the U.S. We put him in the Simply Safe Shooting Fest, and we get to see people shoot their shot. We get to see three-point shooting, and we learn a lot. I mean, you can even have executives in this, right? A lot of guys got a jump shot. If it's dunking, it kind of ostracizes and it makes it harder to book the competition, right? And I understand Foot Locker and the powers that be are like, we can't get Aaron Judge to do a dunk contest. Sorry, buddy. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, but you can get, you know, Michael Rubin from Fanatics to do a three-point shooting contest. You know what I mean? Kyle's looking at me with the side eye. By he's the still way, out. He's, still he's out. still out. Okay, well, we got to get some Mark Cuban. How about Mark Cuban? Great. From Shark Tank, he comes out there and he's in the three-point shooting contest. Steph Curry has to be in it, in it the first year. Uh, Samantha Ionesco, uh, she's also in it as well. And those two guys kind of set the bar. Timothy Chalamet? No, I'm kidding. Chalamet's <laughs> in it. What about Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler. Oh, he wins over Chalamet. By the way, the last time that I went viral was because Adam Sandler, there was a pickup photo of him and he wrote AS on his ball. And, and if you have a basketball and, you know, an evolution solution, whatever you've ever had in your life. You always put your name or initials on it because that was going to get stolen. I mean, even if you went to like practice for your high school team, there was always that one kid on your team that's like, that's my ball. And you're like, no, no. Basketballs and bikes. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes peeled. And you think you have, you think people have an honor code. They don't, especially when they're around nice basketball. So Adam Sandler put AS on his ball. This went viral because I, I just like saw it, pointed it out. And then everyone's talking about how Adam Sandler is a hooper's hooper. Uh, I think he is. I think he should be in this shooting fest. My whole point is there's nothing going on. We need some entertainment. They're, they're trying this with the match, right? The golf stuff where, you know, all these NBA players and, and football players are playing golf. I kind of like it, but I want to go the other way. Let's get these guys shooting a basketball. You learn a lot about someone when you see their jump shot. You really do. You, you kind of know their story. You kind of know where they came from as far as their upbringing in the U.S. playing sports. And sometimes you see a jump shot and you just say, that guy plays football. You know what I mean? Like that football players play basketball in a totally different way. And you can spot it. You can see it immediately. But the whole point of this is we need the shooting fest. Maybe um, there's some dunking that can happen as well. A little side contest. Maybe Mac McClung's in that. He's the ringer every single year. And we get to see Mac McClung. <laughs> uh, I saw a video of him this weekend. A kid was wearing a Sixers Mac McClung jersey. And Mac McClung <laughs> hit him and was like, what's up, man? Like the jersey. And he goes, cool, dude. Leave me the fuck alone. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and it was awesome. Because like that's the world we live in today. These kids are like, I love Mac McClung. He taps him on the shoulder. And they're like, who are you? Bye. Uh, but Mac McClung put him in the dunk contest of this version. Um, and then we got a whole little thing. And I, I mean, I don't know if Foot Locker has the money to front this again. Um, Jordan Brand does. Nike does. Simply Safe, maybe. Um, Spotify. Somebody does. We need something. We need something to watch. And uh, if it's basketball related, again, you love slam ball. I'm not a hater on slam ball. I think it's fun to watch, but it's still, it's not basketball. And I think uh, it's kind of grounding to see people do a different sport. And we might even fall in love with some, you know, different celebrities and things based on their jump shots. I so got one. Great. How about we truly level the playing field? Dodgeball. Dodgeball. What's wrong with dodgeball? Yeah. Isn't that, it's one of the most engaging sports to even watch. Like if you're out, if you're out in a dodgeball game, like, you know, you're still watching. You're still watching. Anything and if can happen. Catches a ball, you can come back in. As we learn, you well, know, was that I mean? the NBA's old old slogan where amazing happens? Yeah. Dodgeball is where amazing happens. I've seen some amazing things on a dodgeball court. 
Two PE sports, very underrated. One, dodgeball, because dodgeball is just like shooting a basketball. You, you, it's like societal. You know, you learn socially. Like it's like Darwinism. It's it's the survival of the fittest. And then the other great sport that you played in PE was handball. I feel like handball. I mean, I watch in the Olympics. It doesn't hit the same as it did in PE. But the first sure. time I played handball in PE, I'm like, this might be my sport. You know, if you got if you got good hand eye coordination and good arm, you're gonna love that game. Also, quick note: we might be running out of the generation of dodgeball players because I think they're moved. They've moved it out of a lot of schools on the. It's bullying. It's bullying or right. violent or whatever. But uh, I think we like we might not. We might have been. We might be done with kids growing up uh, with like learning that that muscle memory right. of throwing a dodgeball and and just what to do. So we have to probably do this now or never. Yeah, there's there's this saying like, you know, sometimes you need to get punched in the face. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think sometimes you need to get hit in the face with the ball. You know what I mean? As a kid, you 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 may be feeling like you're on top of the world and then you're playing dodgeball and you just get absolutely wrecked and you're saying to yourself, good throw. Um, you got to be a good sport about it. You're like, <laughs> you're like, that's part of the game. And you go sit out. And uh, I feel like that might be good for us. Uh, and so. they also change the kind of balls they use. Like, the, I mean, I get it when they were like, you're throwing like kickballs. Right. Kickballs were too far. But when there was the squishy, the it's squishy, like the squishy little balls. like felty balls. Right. I mean, come you on. You can't even throw it. That They're treated far. like it's lawn darts or something. Yeah. Is it, dodgeball our lawn darts? <laughs> and it's too easy to catch those balls. Um, you know what I mean? They like it, The game just lasts too long. Dodgeball is supposed to be quick. Um, and it's a great movie, by the way. If you haven't seen Dodgeball watch recently, it again. go watch it again. It's a great one. Um, but again, the shooting fest, the slam fest, whatever you want to call it, let's bring it back. I need something to watch. And I need to have some, you know, people from different sports do different sports. I want to watch people shoot a basketball. It'll be it'll be good stuff for everybody. Um, the one last note on the slam fest, I wanted to point this out. Mike Conley uh, Sr. and Barry Bonds, King Griffey Jr., all these guys, they were dunking with a women's basketball. And I do think that needs to be because a lot of times the the haters out there that try to go at Michael Jordan because Mike Conley Sr. obviously dunked from the free throw line just like Jordan did in 1988 in the dunk contest. Um, they point out, well, Mike Conley Sr. did exactly what Jordan did. I'm not that impressed by that feat. It was with the women's ball. OK, so it's not quite the same. Michael Jordan had a full NBA basketball. Also, Dominique Wilkins probably should have won that dunk contest, but it was in Chicago. We call it home cooking for a reason. Get over yourselves. Uh, one of the best dunk contests ever, but had to point out that little nugget because I think people forget that. But bring back the slam fest, the shooting fest, whatever you want to call it. We need to see it. Um, one last thing before we get to Bardot. This is an update. We talked about on our show Monday with Kyle Mann about um, families and, and the way that they can go on a plane and basically think that they have the priority to move you out of your seat to, to keep their family together. Um, and I made some comments. Kyle Mann made some comments. Producer Kyle made some comments. I had a friend of the program reach out via Instagram DMs, which is never a safe place. And uh, he sent a long diatribe. Obviously, the man has a family about how uh, one time he went on a trip and this person would not move out of the middle seat. And, you know, he wasn't able to sit, to sit next to his, you know, seven-year-old daughter. And she was traumatized by the experience and that, you know, we're assholes for feeling the way that we do and da-da-da-da. And then I started to reflect on what I said. And I, and I was thinking there's always like there's nuance to the conversation. But generally speaking, you should not have an expectation that you can move somebody out of a seat, especially if it's a good seat for a bad seat. That's yes. really the conversation. And Evan Turner, um, who I consider a friend of the program. I love Evan. He's a contrarian to be a contrarian. Uh, he went on a tweet spree this weekend, Kyle, and you saw this as well about an incident that happened. He tried to get someone to move so he could sit next to his, I think, five-year-old daughter, I believe. Um, and and then he went on a Twitter Twitter rant. It was the, the hot topic of conversation. Had a lot of people reach out to me with this and saying, Evan Turner's going to whoop your ass next time <laughs> he sees you on a plane. Um, 
Your thoughts, uh, Kyle, on this when you saw this? Uh, well, he was clearly heated. He was answering he was everybody. Heated. He was answering everybody. I got in a little late with my question, which I think is probably the biggest question of it all, uh, is what did you offer? Did you offer a guy in a middle seat uh, a better seat, or did you offer a guy in the seat that he, you know, he got in early on and he wanted that window seat, you know, or exit row even, who knows? Did you uh, did you offer that guy a downgrade or an upgrade? Or, you know, and, and it gets even more, it gets a little bit more nuanced when you're like, you know what? I'm a window guy. I'm not an aisle guy. I don't think I want to do it anymore. Middle is middle is a no-go. If you're trying to get me into a middle seat, it's never going to happen. But, uh, you know, I'd have to think about it for other things. But I think I was too late. He realized he'd just stop <laughs> answering strangers on Twitter at that point. So I didn't get an answer. But uh, he was answering everybody some sort of one, one thing. When the one guy was just like, man, you can't go into a, onto a plane expecting to be, you know, catered to when you when you didn't set this up correctly, when, you know, you're just walking up to strangers. And he went on to something about how it's, the same logic with HOAs and trying to run his life. So I don't know. I think he was just heated. And I hope he's, I hope he's better now. <laughs> his big takeaway was that this is disgusting because of how little regard people have for others. And uh, I do agree with that. I mean, we, we should be people helping people. ELE, everybody love everybody. Like I said, it's all situational. I don't want to be, I'm not one of those people that like, no matter what the situation is, I am unwilling to move. I am not that type of person that is, that's cantankerous. I, I I am not that type of personality. I'm pretty much, I, I'm just the hey, easy going, do what you got to do, brother. Um, but in general, I just thought this was hilarious and the timing was great. Um, Evan, like you said, I mean, he he's, he's fighting the world at this point. Um, he was swimming upstream. He said he tried to get the seats together, but it was a late flight. He also threatened to fly on a plane the next day. You know, I mean, which I think in the world of airlines, they're like, Get off Fine. my plane, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the problem with airlines is that they don't really care. They don't um, need you. They don't need you, <laughs> right? Yeah, you. it's a very lopsided. You have no leverage when you're just a passenger on a plane. In fact, I saw the other day that Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard, two very, very famous people, A-list people, they got kicked out of an airport because they were trying to sleep there because of delays overnight. And they were like, you can't stay here. That's how much leverage these airlines have. You can be A-list and they're like, get out of my airport. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. They always win. And uh, pour one out for ET because uh, Evan Turner, we understand your frustration. And when you're on a plane, it's like being outside in the heat. Everything is intensified. Everything yeah, you feel like you gotta you eat. More. You feel like you gotta eat a full meal for a three-hour flight. Right. Like, what if we stay in the air for two days? And you, if you have a family too, like that's the other part of you know. I want to give a little bit of respect to the families. Like kids are kids are wild, and you put them in that kind of environment, they're gonna have to go to the bathroom. They're they're just gonna have to do things that are out of turn and just frustrating in general. So you're already mad. But you can't be mad at your kid because you're in front of people. You know what I mean? You can't be putting on a show that you're mad at your kids. So then as soon as some guy in the middle seat's like, I'm not moving, you're like, you're getting it. You're, like, you're getting all the heat right now. Um, and sometimes you got to go to the tweets. But uh, shout out to Evan Turner. I thought that was very funny. A nice follow-up. And uh, to the friends of the program that were upset about the commentary, just understand there's nuance to everything. Um, I, I Like I said, I'm not cantankerous. I'm not going to sit on one side and say no. Forever, but you and I are both getting on planes tomorrow. By the way, we so are, and at the same time, on our minds. and at the same time, normalize no. I'm not saying be no, be the no all the time guy, right. but don't be afraid to say no. Right, and sometimes, uh, you know, when you do say yes, and you'd go to a worse seat, you can always feel better about the fact that you're the bigger person. You know what I mean? You did a nice thing, especially if you are a bigger person in a middle seat. That really Ooh. sucks. Ooh, yeah. I, uh, I look poor one out for all the people out there that got to fly. I got to fly to Mexico. My first time going to Mexico. I got to go to a bachelor party in Puerto Vallarta. Sounds tomorrow. like you get to go to Mexico. I don't know, buddy. Yeah, you know, I, I, 
you're right. This is a get to job, not a got to job. And I'm lucky to have a get to job and, uh, it's a get to trip. And, uh, and then Monday I'm going to be in Asheville for the Asheville championship promo shoot. So, uh, you think maybe you could get me a shirt that fits this time when last time you went, you, you guys got time? me like a large, it's like, I mean, come on, what did they just pick it up off the seat or something? I think they just gave me a large. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, if there's requests. We'll put in requests. We'll Thanks. get you. We'll get you merch. We'll get you shirts. Uh, and it's a good field this year, um, which is always fun. Maryland's going to be there. We're going to have Coach Kevin Willard come on the podcast, uh, which is going to be fun. So a uh, bunch of good stuff. Again, uh, shout out to Evan Turner. Shout out to all the people that are flying around. Kyle and I will do our best to to stay safe. And if there is a family that is in dire need of my seat. I'll consider it. You know what I mean? That's I'll consider all, it. I'll consider it. That's all you can do in this business. All right, coming up right now, he is a Big Ten aficionado. He played for the Flying Illini. He is the great Stephen Bardo. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right. Joining us now, he is a member of the Flying Illini. He's been calling college basketball games since the year 2000. He is the great Stephen Bardot. Stephen, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Tate, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. And uh, I want to get right into it because uh, there's a lot of conversations that are happening this offseason. People are talking about the portal, NIL deals. Um, you played on one of the greatest teams in college basketball history. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But first and foremost, just from your vantage point, you've seen both sides of the coin. How crazy and uh, people are calling it the Wild Wild West, but how different is the world today, the landscape today in college basketball from your vantage point? Oh, it's it's much different, but I think it's a it's a breath of fresh air. I mm. think the players needed a little bit more equity. I think they needed some uh, a little bit a few more rights that they could do in terms of the transfer portal. Um, name, image, and likeness is the wild, wild west. There hasn't been um, regulation around it. Uh, we can thank the NCAA for that. Um, but it's it. I think the players needed it. It was long overdue, and. You know, my my teammates and I kick ourselves because we'd be sitting back on, on some serious bread if NIL was in effect back in 89. Yeah, right. The Flying Illini team that went to the Final Four, one of the most fun teams in college basketball history. And you got the shirt on right now. If you're watching, uh, you can see Bardo with the Flying Illini shirt. There's, you know, all those companies, 19-9, Homage, whatever it is. They have great flying Illini gear. You know, that is kind of, you know, the the era that everyone kind of beckons back to. I know that in the Fab Five documentary, they talked about how they set the tone. They were the cool kids. They wore baggy shorts. I'd always thought that it was the flying Illini. Can we set the record straight right now? Were you guys the actual pioneers and the originators? Yeah, and I'll, I'll even be a little bit more specific than that, Tate. It was really Kendall Gill. Yeah. Because he was a Michael Jordan fanatic. He wanted to do everything Jordan did. And so when Jordan started rocking the baggy shorts, he went to Lou Henson, our head coach, and begged Coach Henson. I, I didn't think it was going to work because Lou Henson was old school. Yep. You know, we used to wear the nut huggers. They were all <laughs> tight and short and everything. You know what I mean? And, and so I couldn't believe it. Kendall got him to switch up. And so uh, we were the originators now. Ours weren't as baggy as the Fab Five. They they took it to the next level, obviously, with the the black and the fashion and all that. But 
we I, I would consider us the originators of the baggy shorts. Yeah, and then the Fab Five kind of ushered in what we saw like in the late 90s, early 2000s, where like baggy clothes were, that that was the thing, you know what I mean? That's what that's what we were all about. AI era, right? T-Mac, all those guys. Yep. Uh, even Tim right. Duncan with the big jeans, right? He couldn't help himself. He had to get in on it. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about that, you know, that, that flying a lion eye season, the final four year, because you guys, I think you won, what, 16 straight to start the year. Um, yep. And then you play a Georgia Tech team that you guys go into double overtime in that game, end up winning, end up being number one team in the country. And Kendall Gill gets hurt. Can you just talk about there's a lot of what ifs in college basketball, but what is the is that a what if in your mind? What if Kendall Gill doesn't get hurt and miss, I think, 14, 15 games, whatever it is, and you guys could go on and actually be healthy for the full season? You know, we I didn't really think of it like that, Tate. It was just something that, you know, it happened. Um it made our team stronger, ironically, because Marcus Liberty, yeah. Larry Smith got more time and they were able to flourish with that extra time. And I thought it really um, built a lot of character with our team. You know, when you, you lose a guy like Kendall Gills, a 15-year NBA vet, um, ath- athlete extraordinaire, just tough, competitive, you know, it, you, know you, you lose a lot. And, you know, the next game we went to Minnesota and they put it on our head. And then, you know, I think we dropped maybe four of the next six, but then kind of right, righted the ship, got right. Kendall came back at the end of the regular season. And, you know, I, I tip my hat to Steve Fisher with the adjustments he made in the final four game with Michigan. Made terrific adjustments that we had not seen all season. And, I mean, that team, Tate, they had eight pros on that team, uh, that Michigan team. And so... Um, I, I don't have any regrets. I don't, I don't look back and say, what if I just really enjoy the memories and, you know, the special time that we had with that team and the special era of college basketball that I was able to play in. Yeah. I want to talk about just kind of the big 10 during that era, because it was incredible. And, and then we can talk about the 21st century version of it, but there were so many great coaches. There was so much yep. great talent, right? I mean, you got Bob Knight, uh, you know, kind of in the, the peak of his powers at that time. And then you guys in the final four in Seattle meet up with the team that you've already beaten twice. How hard is that mentally in the tournament to get to a place in the final four where you've won your regional, you're already quote unquote a champion. And then you say, oh my God, we got to play a team that we already beat twice and knows who we are and knows how to make adjustments against us. How hard is that to kind of parse through in the moment? It's really difficult because, you know, when, for me, it was a natural thing where we thought, okay, we got Michigan in the final four. We know it's going to be a tough game because the way that they played throughout the tournament, Glenn Rice was Incredible. unbelievably hot. Yeah. I, I mean, just, you know, I take credit for holding him to his lowest score, scoring total in that run. He only hit me for 29, Tate. So, you, <laughs> you know, held him I, under 30. <laughs> yeah, I take I take great pride in that. So um, it was it, it's really difficult to beat a, a really good team like that. And they, you know, when Bill Frieder got ushered out and uh, um, um, Steve Fisher, he got ushered in. He made slight tweaks. And those slight tweaks really got those guys on the same page because throughout the season, when we played them, I don't know that they were all always on the same page. Ramil Robinson would kind of go and do his thing. And then Terry Mills and Lloyd Vaught would be a little bit upset. Glenn Rice was always a constant in terms of the guy that you had to really pay attention to. But they really came together in that tournament run. And, you know, the, the thing is, we didn't play that well and we still had a chance to win at the end of the game. You know, Sean Higgins makes a great play um, that puts them up for good. But, I mean, we didn't play that well, and it was down to the wire. So 
it talked about how good Michigan was, but it also showed uh, how good we were in, in that scenario, even though we weren't at the top of our game. But just a tremendous run, a tremendous opportunity. And I, I, the older I get, the better the memories become for me. Absolutely. And uh, was it was it true that Dick Vitale was the one who came up with the nickname, the Flying Illini? Did you remember kind of how that grew amongst, you know, the, the fans and the people around the sport, that nickname? Yeah, what, what happened, I think um, Dick Vitale saw us. Um, it was our sophomore year, and we go to the second round. I believe we were in Birmingham, maybe Birmingham or Lexington for the second round NCAA right. tournament. We had Villanova on the road. I mean, we were up 10 with a minute 50 left, and uh, Villanova comes back and uh, walk on, hits a three to beat us at the buzzer. Um, and we would have played Kentucky in the Sweet 16, and we matched up very favorably with them. So Dick Vitale kind of saw us that year a few times against Indiana, against Michigan. Then when we came out to start that season, you know, you mentioned that we went on a 16-game tear, and he just called us the Flying Illini because I think we played Florida with uh, Dwayne Shensis, uh, God rest his soul, <laughs> right? that team, and we obliterated them. I think we might have had 14 dunks on them that game, and so he he called that game, and I think that's that's kind of where the flying Illini came from. And it it caught, it took, it caught fire, and people loved the name, and, and we loved it as well. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you go back and watch those highlights, it's incredible, you know, the athleticism and, uh, you know what I mean, you guys were just fun to watch. The ball's moving, the ball's popping. Um, I want to talk about the, the Big Ten, you know, that era, obviously, the Big Ten, incredible town, incredible coaches. Um, you know, just a lot of connectivity within the conference. You're winning championships. Indiana just won in 87. You guys have two teams in the final four. Uh, Michigan wins in 89. You got the Fab Five era. And then since 2000, we have not seen a Big Ten national champion. And it's obviously been a drought that's been discussed ad nauseum at this point. But for you, what what is that ingredient that the conference needs to finally get over that hump because there's been so many times where it was like this is the year you know whether it's 09 with Michigan State or you know whatever it may be um, even 2021 with Illinois but what does the conference need to do and do you even worry about a conference pride angle on the championship oh I, I really worry about a conference pride angle on the championship because Tate I'm gonna keep it real with you man the Big Ten gets way too much pub way too much uh, weight in terms of ranking because they, the conference hasn't done anything in the tournament. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you do in a regular season. I, I love conference play. I love conference championships. It still means something in the Big Ten Conference. But when you can put that to the side, if you get, you get all this love all year, Purdue is number one for most of the year. You know, the Big Ten is this. The Big, and then you lay a dud for like 20 straight NCAA tournaments. It's just the, it, it, the math is not mathy. And so, um, I get very um, passionate about this topic because the Big Ten coaches love me, but they don't, they also don't like me because I call them out. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, guys, you got to get pros. And so now the Big Ten is starting to get more future pros in their conference. But for a while there, there was a, a, a drought, in my opinion, of consistent, like five or six teams having two or three future NBA players. Now the league is starting to get to that point, uh, we've had a pretty good run of the Murray brothers, uh, Ivy, uh, Ohio State has had a couple kids early that have gone first round. So uh, the, the league is starting to attract those future pros. But 
if you're going to win a championship, look at Kansas, look at North Carolina, look at Duke, look at Kentucky. Whenever they've had success and continued success is because they've been able to attract future NBA players. If you don't have those players, I don't give a damn how good you look in the regular season. In the tournament, there's too many variables for um, elite college players to overcome future NBA players. It just is, it doesn't match. And I think the conference is realizing that. I think they're doing a better job, especially when UCLA and USC join the Big Ten next year. That's going to give a big boost in terms of um, future NBA guys because those two programs, in my opinion, have done a fantastic job in the last five to 10 years um, under Mick Cronin. And I love what Andy Enfield has done at USC. And so I think that that's going to give the league a boost. Well, that leads into my next question because I was going to ask about the expansion angle, adding those two teams. We're out in Los Angeles, so we know UCLA and USC very well. If they come into the Big Ten, and let's say um, in that world, UCLA goes on to win their first championship since 1995, does the rest of the Big Ten get to celebrate that championship? Is it is it kind of like Maryland where they still claim the 0-2 championship even though Gary Williams and Juan Dixon, they were playing in the ACC at the time? Is this, is this going to happen where after to hear Big Ten fans yell at me that they just won the championship with UCLA? Yes. I mean, because look, man, when, when you're starving for one, you're going to get it any kind of way you can get it, right? And uh, I love the fact that USC and UCLA are coming into the league. I'm a little concerned with their travel, although me they'll too. work it out. Yep. Each, each school is going to get about $70 million, $75 million in this new media deal, so they'll be able to work it out. Um, but I hope that they can do it to a way that it doesn't take away the competitiveness of those two programs because they're going to bring a, a, a nice jolt into the Big Ten, in my opinion, with style of play. Um, with uh, They're going to have an advantage because Big Ten schools, man, these guys are going to lose their freaking mind. When they leave Michigan State in February and they haven't seen the sun in nine days and it's cold as you know what, and they go out to L.A. and it's in the 70s, oh, they'll – They'll be outside all day and legs will be gone by the time they go to the Galen Center and the rest will be history. So, I mean, they'll have an advantage going that way. But I'm really excited for these two schools to come in. And you know what? If UCLA or USC wins the championship in their first year in the Big Ten, you better believe we're going to brag about it. Best Best believe that. I like the attitude. And, you know, just speaking of conference conference expansion, it's not done yet either. I mean, there's a lot no. of moving parts. Big 12 is trying to go after Arizona now. If if you had to pick, let's say, two schools, two programs in this made-up reality where the Big Ten is going to add two more teams, is there two schools out there? Is it Kansas? Is it Carolina and Duke? Whatever it is, are there two teams that you say they kind of fit the Big Ten profile and it would be fun to see them play Big Ten basketball? It, it, it would be good to get one of those traditional powers Tate, but see, the Big Ten works on television markets alone. Mm-hmm. And the next two that I see are Georgia Tech and Miami. And I, I know that's a shock to a lot of people, uh, but that is the only region, that's pretty much the only region that the Big Ten doesn't have a presence in. So if you look at Georgia Tech, the Atlanta market, look at University of Miami, the Miami market, those are pretty much the last two markets that that people have been talking about. because. Is the ACC really that strong? Like, is the, yeah. is the Pac-12 really that strong? Does it make sense to go and get Washington and Oregon if you're the Big Ten? Or does it make more sense to get those television markets to get into the southeastern region? And then at some point, because it's, it won't be done after two, two more programs, I think 
we're going to have 20 team mega conferences. And so at some point, the Big Ten is not going to leave USC and UCLA by themselves. They'll, they might go get Cal, Stanford, or Oregon, Washington. But I think the next two on the map for the Big Ten, based on what they've done in the past, would be Georgia Tech and Miami. That makes a lot of sense to me. And it also feels like right now the ACC, there's a lot of teams that are kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of jockeying for position with these conferences, yep. right? You know, North Carolina and Virginia and Florida State and Clemson, they're all taking calls with the SEC. And then you have these other schools like NC State's reaching out to the Big 12. Like everyone's trying to figure out if things go awry, who do we saddle up with? And, you know, with Stoudemire there at Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech's history, right, with with Bobby Crimmins and, and just, you know, their basketball lineage in general, they have a lot of, um, you know, good faith there on the basketball side. The football program has had success throughout the years. I mean, they've had great players. Megatron, Calvin Johnson obviously goes there. Yep. And then you got the brand of the U and you got these two cultural hubs. Atlanta's a cultural hub in the South. I call it the capital of the South. And then you got yep. Miami, which is basically like a Europe European city that's in the U.S. I mean, you know what I mean? It's it's you you get a lot of cachet in those two markets. So that does make a lot of sense to me. And Miami, I feel like they've been trying to get out of the ACC since they got into the ACC <laughs> and they just made their first final four in basketball. Can, can we talk about Miami for a second? How impressive yeah. was that run to go to a final four? And how how much did you take away watching that, you know, from a distance with Jim Laranega? Look, man, I wish I could have played for Jim Laranega. Same. I he mean, came on the show and I fell in love with him. I'm like, thank you, thank you, coach. See you later, yeah. coach. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, Tate, he's a he's a builder of, of young men. Mm-hmm. Like he built, he'll build you up. And the thing what I love about him when I go watch their practices and whatnot, when I've had a, the opportunity to do so, his philosophy is look, man, the hay is in the barn. I don't need to do all this hollering and hooting during the game. Because we did all that in practice. But in the game, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to empower you to go play. And so when Nigel Pack comes in and he and Isaiah Wong are able to get on the same page. And the the key to that program, though, is the big kid. Uh, I can't Your ever Chad O'Meara. Oh, my gosh. Yes. He is so valuable because undersized, he can hold it down. Uh, nobody's going to bully him. He, 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 you know, he is the key to that program, in my opinion. And he allows the Wongs and the Nigel Packs to go and do their thing. Um, but in terms of a coach, I'm not sure that I, there's a more, there's a coach that I like more than Jim Laranag. I'm telling you, Ed Cooley is in that mix. Shaka Smart is in that mix. I'm a big Chris Holtman fan, yep. a big Matt Painter fan. But I tell you what, in terms of uh, experience, um, communication skills, um, building up of his players, Jim Laranega is as good as they get. Yeah, and the ACC media it does feel like uh, every single year they they want to go straight from K to John Shire, but I think it went from K to Laranega, and I think that Jim Laranega is the class of the ACC. I think Miami's the program in the ACC that is the best program right now. I think Leonard Hamilton and Florida State will will have a nice bounce back here, but I think the crown jewel in the ACC is Miami and Laranega. You mentioned him; uh, he's great. I want to talk about Matt Painter because you you were there, um, you know, this year. You saw them win the conference. You saw them win the conference tournament. You saw them have, you know, the national player of the year in Zach Eady. I think it's great that he's playing on Team Canada. I think that'll make him, you know, evolve even to a better player as he comes back yep. into this season. But how head-scratching was that 16-1 loss against FDU? And how do how do you react and how do you talk about Purdue moving forward? 
you know, Tate, it, it was painful um, to watch as a Big Ten person, um, you know, but I was, believe it or not, I wasn't surprised because um, I, too, was in that scenario as a freshman taking, you know, I was running the point for Illinois and we yep. go and play Austin P. and I had six or seven turnovers and I played well offensively, but I didn't have a good game. And what happens is as a freshman, you think that you've seen everything through conference play and even even uh, Fletcher Lawyer and um, Braden Smith going through the conference tournament, you think, okay, I've got this, you know, uh, I have to come back and play these games consecutively. So I've, I've got this experience. NCAA tournament is just totally different. And if you've not been in it and you're a freshman going into it, you're susceptible to, to what happened to them. And so it was painful to watch. Um, it makes me hesitant to talk about them in a way of being a national contender. But here's the thing, Tate. Same thing happened to Virginia. Yep. And Purdue could come back this year and they could win a national championship. I think they have the talent to do so. Um, Lance Jones coming in from Southern Illinois. He's a veteran, tough-ass guard. I think I think he's And that's what they really, needed. They really needed yes. someone like that in the backcourt. Yeah, a, a bulldog type that'll come in and, you know, when guys are trying to roughhouse those freshmen, he, you know, he'll come, or now sophomores, he'll be able to come in and kind of stabilize things. So, I th- uh, and don't don't sleep on Trey Kaufman Wren. Nobody's talking about him, but he's he's going to be an all Big Ten performer. And I, I I know that Matt Painter's trying to figure out a way to get he and Caleb first on the floor when Edie isn't on the floor to get Purdue a totally different look. So I think that they've got that sour taste in their mouths. They were disappointed. They were embarrassed. And I think that, you know, you're the first person I'm telling this to. I think they could have a special season. And they, along with Michigan State, I think are primed to make a pretty deep run, all things considering if they stay healthy. My producer, Kyle, and I, we went to the wooden ceremony here in Los Angeles. And Zach Eady was obviously the winner. um, And he had his teammates here. And Matt Painter wasn't there because he had to go on some sort of recruiting deal. But the fact that he had his teammates there, we asked uh, one of the directors about it. I said, how many times does the teammates come for a guy who wins an individual award? And he was like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it, at least in his time. So that says something to me about Purdue and the way that sometimes when everything breaks down, all you have is each other. And it maybe you know brought them closer together than they even were uh, before that happened. That's what happened with Virginia. I always bring up Villanova too. In 2015, they lost in the second round to NC State, mm. got upset, and then they That's came right. back in 2016 and they win the championship. So sometimes you have to fall all the way down to to climb your way back up to the top. So I like that about Purdue. You mentioned Michigan State. Tom Izzo is kind of one of the last of a dying breed, right? In in this coaching yes. game that has done both sides of the old school and now the NIL new school. How, you know, is he really the one true hope next year for the Big Ten to win a championship outside of Purdue? Because they look like a really good squad. And, you know, Tom Izzo went to the Sweet 16 last year. And if there's anybody that knows how to get to the Final Four, it is Tom Izzo. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when you add a Cohen Carr, who may be the best athlete in the Big Ten, Xavier Booker, who gives you a, a, a different dimension that they didn't have last year. And then you've got these guys who are a year older. The only player you're missing is Joey Hauser. And Joey brought a lot to this to that ball club. Now with However, the Jazz, with Danny Ainge. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But I think that Michigan State can overcome his loss with the personnel that they brought in. And the bigs up front, I'm telling you, Cooper and, um, oh, 
they they were freshmen last year. Yeah. So Mati Sissoko got a lot of time up front, but as the season was going on, Cooper got more and more time. And these guys, I'm telling you, Tate, Michigan State's going to be a problem. They're going to be a major problem because now they're going to play fast. They're going to play much faster than they did last season. Booker can run the floor like a gazelle. You've got Carr on the uh, Cohen Carr on the wing, who kind of is reminiscent of those wings like a Jason Richardson, like guys that can high fly. Um, they've got kind of that old Michigan State Spartan swagger back, kind of that toughness back. And Tom has not said a word this summer. If you notice, there's there's not been a whole lot of talk. <laughs> yeah, coming he's, out of he's East been kind of MIA. He hasn't been anywhere. Yeah. Right. And so that's for a reason. And and so, you know, I've got some intel that the dude is walking around smiling all the time because he loves the toughness and competitiveness of this group. So I've got, you know, I've got Michigan State preseason first in the Big Ten over Purdue, which I, I think I'm sure a lot of people would scratch their head. But I just think that this could be the year that Michigan State or Purdue, but more so Michigan State, in my opinion, based on their depth and their experience and the 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 new blood that's coming in. Miles Colvin from Purdue is an excellent guard, uh, can shoot it. He's a pretty good athlete. But the guys that are coming in, I think Xavier Booker could be the Big Ten freshman of the year easily if he lives up to his expectations. Yeah, Tom Izzo with the Flintstones, he was the last one to do it, you know, to win a championship in the Big Ten back in 2000. So if there's anyone to do it, maybe it's Tom Izzo. Um, one other big headline that was in the Big Ten, uh, my producer Kyle and I were talking about this, Hunter Dickinson, we talked about empowering players. He leaves Michigan. He, you know, does a tour around the country, goes to Georgetown, goes here, goes there, ends up deciding to go play for Bill Self in Kansas. Um, and then he has a, a recent interview where he called Ann Arbor fake Midwest, fake nice. Um, you obviously played Michigan in the final four, so there's no love lost there, but I wanted to ask you, you're in the Midwest, you know what the big 10 is about. Is Ann Arbor fake nice? Are they fake Midwest or is this just, uh, maybe some sour grapes a little bit? I don't know what this is. I, I was so shocked by that headline. I think that Hunter is a guy that is learning the media game. And I think that he is of the Madonna Rodman situation where any pub is good pub. And so I, I think that he understands that he's got a platform and he likes to, he likes to be shocking. He likes to say things that are going to catch people off guard that will bring attention to what he's doing. Uh, he's a, he's an extremely bright young man, very, very smart and savvy. And I, I think that, you know, there can be other student athletes can follow, not his mouth, but some of the things that he's done in terms of NIL taking his time, looking at every option, not going quickly with the decision, but trying to really weigh things. And so he's the worst pitch man in, in college sports history. Uh, try this microwave. It's really good. I mean, man, if you'd have seen some of his commercials last year at Michigan, oh, you'd fall out of your chair laughing. So he's not a good pitch man, but he's, he's a very smart guy. But Michigan is one of the premier institutions in the country. Um, they're classy. Um, sometimes the administration acts um, how, what's the best politically? They, they can act snobbish at times um, right. because they call themselves Michigan, the Block M, winning this football program in college football history. Um, so there's a lot there. But I tend to enjoy going to Michigan. I, I enjoy the people. Uh, I enjoy um, how passionate they are about their athletics 
and what they've been able to do for players afterward. The, the success, the alumni um, reach that University of Michigan has is as good as any in the country. And so I, I, it's unfortunate that Hunter didn't take the high road going that way, but I think it has something to do with him just trying to keep continue to draw attention with his media platform and, and to somehow monetize that situation. But, you know, he's a young man. He's, he's, he's having a time of his life. <laughs> think about it. You're at Michigan. Now you go to Kansas. Like you play for Dollar Bill, Bill mm. Self, who's one of my favorite coaches ever. Um, and you're at a, a great institution. And so it, it, he did great. But I just I just wish that he wouldn't bash Michigan on the way out. Yeah, it's not the way to do it. But like you said, I think it's more just he's trying to curry favor with his new yep. fan base than throw shade yep. at his old fan base. And in his mind, he's like, it's just a wink, wink type deal. They know I love them kind of thing. But I got to I got to make these Michigan or these Kansas Jayhawks fans know that I love them even more now that they have me here. So I get it. Yep. I get both sides of the coin. Um, I wanted to ask you because I saw you uh, tweeting about this tournament expansion. It does feel like when we have these dog days and there's nothing to talk about uh, college basketball writers and media people. People in general start to speculate um, and the powers that be start to speculate about expanding the tournament. Why is tournament expansion uh, bad and and why do you not want it to happen? Because uh, it does feel like we're, we're trending that way where everyone wants it to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think what happens a lot of times is they throw the narrative out there to see what the public response is. <laughs> yes. And it's like, it's kind of okay, like an everybody... NBA front office will throw out exactly. like a trade and then the, yeah. know, the fans are like, I, this would be my nightmare. And they're like, okay, we'll toss that one. <laughs> yep. And, and so what happens is if, if they get a, a more negative response, then they say, okay, well, we got to push it back a year or two, but they're not, <laughs> they're going to expand the tournament because the Too NCAA is greedy. Yep. It's, 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 they're greedy. And the thing is, it's like, Guys, you have the best sporting event in the country. Don't screw it up. Why mess with it, right? I know they get a lot of pressure from coaches, and coaches say, well, we need to get more teams in. So what you're going to do is you're going to get the 10th and 12th teams from the from the uh, SEC in the Big Ten. You're not going to get quality um, teams that are outside the Power Five Conference. This is a power grab, in my opinion. And so it's not going to be, you know, everybody's like, all oh, the – you expand, but now you're going to get these other teams that people haven't seen all season. That's not how it's going to work. They're going to get more mediocre Power Five teams into the NCAA tournament once expansion happens. That's how I see it. That's why I'm against it. Um, but it's inevitable. It's not. It's not if. It's just when. Yeah, it feels like Dayton will probably go from the first four to like the early eight, and then they'll have eight <laughs> teams in Dayton, right? And then you know, yep. like you said, it'll be you know the teams that finished tenth in the SEC is now in the early eight, and then somehow they make the lead eight, and now everyone's talking about. See, I told you they were so good, yep. but you know th- that's just the world that we live in, and it's inevitable at some point. But um, one last thing before I let you go, I want to talk about the current um Illinois team. They bring back some talent. One of my favorite players in the country is Dane Danger. I think he's a little underrated, one of the best names in basketball. Are, how, what, how do you feel about this team this year with Coach Underwood? You know, I was I was happy that Terrence and um, Coleman Hawkins returned. Me too. But, but Tate, if you don't have a dedicated point guard, I know Ty Rogers can do it. I love Ty Rogers. I love his game. I think he's a future pro. Uh, but he's, that's not his natural position. And so they're going to probably end up having to play him at the point guard position. Sincere Harris can give you time. Um, uh, uh, what is this kid name? He's a, he's a point guard that committed to Purdue. Right. Now right, he's a right, freshman. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Drelonghorn, I think is his name. And then Niccolo Morelli. 
And so you've got two freshmen that, that are bona fide point guards, but the freshman experiment at the point guard position didn't quite work for Illinois last yeah, year. Yeah, you lose Sky Clark to Louisville. You lose Jaden Epps to Georgetown. And I, I thought Epps looked great at times. Um, and I thought yeah. Sky Clark had a lot of upside. But yeah, both those guys transfer out. And like you said, now we're back to square one again. Yeah, and so, you know, if you don't have a point guard, can you, I mean, if you don't have a, a dedicated point guard that's got experience, can you really go far? Can you really win a Big Ten gauntlet, a 20-game a gauntlet with, you know, you, you got Ty Rogers doing it. You might have Sincere Harris in there a little bit. Then you throw the freshman in there. I mean, uh, I don't know. Now, the only thing that would, to me, if they would not shoot as many threes, and I'm with you, Dane Danger needs to get about 10, 15 touches a game. Right. Because the dude's footwork is as good as any big in the country, not just in the Big Ten. I think that he could, he's not a, he's not a selfish guy. He gives the ball up when he gets double teamed. I just think that the Illini were too perimeter focused. And I know Underwood's a big analytics guy, but the three just wasn't working. They took the second most threes in the Big Ten last year, but they had the worst percentage. Mm. And so it just didn't work. Um, and they've got this nice size. You've got Coleman Hawkins who can get inside a little bit, who can be on the perimeter. Who's a great so, passer, too. Like, if you lead into the – like, you might not need a point guard if you let Coleman Hawkins basically play point forward, right? I mean, you let him kind of control the ball. Yeah, but see, Tate, sometimes, uh, you know, he wants to be Magic Johnson. He turns into <laughs> Tragic Johnson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, he gets – see, the problem with Coleman, in my opinion, he just gets premeditated too much. Mm -hmm. he, he, he hasn't quite learned – to get into his move and to keep his options open. What he does, he gets, he, he's like, all right, I'm going left and my, my shooter's on the wing. He starts left and the guard jumps the wing and denies. Now he's, he's in the air. He's got to make something happen. He's just too premeditated. Um, so in, in limited situations, yes, let him make plays like that. But if it's too much, I think that he gets overwhelmed a little bit. So, that's the big question for Illinois, and that's why, you know, I've got them fifth preseason mm. behind Maryland, Wisconsin, um, Purdue, and Michigan State. And so I know a lot of Illinois fans <laughs> didn't like where I put them, but that's how I see it. Yeah, you got to call it like it is, and uh, we appreciate you coming on the show and, and letting us know what's happening in Big, big Ten territory. We always need, uh, you know, the Big Ten updates, so we'll definitely have you back. Uh, Bardo, Please. appreciate you coming on the show, man, and uh, good luck with everything, and I hope you can enjoy the rest of this. All. We all need some downtime, so uh, take some time away and then get back to it uh, as soon as the end of September hits. That's right. Well, hey, thanks a lot for having me, Tate. I always appreciate you. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There you have it, Stephen Bardo, one of the best. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, go check out Bardo's Breakdowns. It's on YouTube. He's got his own channel, and he does a good job. I mean, the, the guy loves basketball. He played the game at the highest level. One of the best point guards in uh, Big Ten history, and uh, just an all-around good guy. And uh, I met him a few years ago via B.J. Armstrong, and B.J.'s like, this guy loves college basketball just like you. 
and we just hit it off and kept talking. That so, sounded like uh, a bill. <laughs> I know, that's like, like a, a mix meeting. of BJ and Bill. I don't know what that was. but uh, Basketball? Basketball? <laughs> yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. Let's do a podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk. Don't say anything. Everybody shut up. Turn the mics on. Um, yeah, but that was great. Love having Bardo on. And um, this is your, sh- let's get the shout outs real quick. Kyle, this is your last show. You're going on vacation, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Going straight up vacation. Classic Kyle move. Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm <laughs> going right back. I could have yeah, gone going anywhere. to Sweden and now you're going to Poughkeepsie. And I, I got to be honest, I, I, at the top of the show, I was melancholy. Now I'm hopeful. I mean, I think wow. it feels really good not to have that. Got to get to the airport and do right. your first international flight in like fl- 10 years. Yep, like yep. all this stuff. It's just like, you know, I think it's OK. Sometimes, you know, you make big plans. You're like, what if I could just not? Could I just mm. not go? And this one, it's out of my hands. I don't have to feel bad about it. And uh that's good. Shout out to you real quick. Yeah, Did please. you smell that fart that I laid around the Tom Izzo part of this podcast? <sighs> no, I didn't. Oh, all right. I was about to say, you're a professional because like I, I just I just powered through it. I, I was think, like, I think you shot it that way. I was watching your face. It totally slipped out. It was like, oh, I don't feel so good. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, no. But he was talking and I was just I was looking at your face. You didn't. You, I, how about I say I did? And I did. You know, that was just great acting. Uh, I refused to break the fourth wall. No, I didn't see that. Shout out but, to you. Uh, I didn't feel that, Um, you know, but shout, shout out, out to, to the you. air in this office finally kicking on. Right. If it didn't, I think it definitely would have been looking around we're down anyway. to 69 degrees it looks like so uh race is 69 happening in the studio live <laughs> in the moment we love to see that um yeah i survived that which is good uh, a couple more shout outs because you're going on vacation um i'm going to try to piece together the show because kyle man also th- th- I-, I learned all this yesterday by the way like via group group chat that we're all in kyle man's like yeah i'm, I'm oh yeah by the way <laughs> uh the next two mondays um kyle was on vacation until the 20th um I don't know what's going to happen to the show. Folks. Well, you refuse to take off time because you're like, I well, will, I'm taking I, off time in September now. So I have like, to go to a wedding. I'm in a wedding. I don't even have to go to a wedding. I get to go that's to right. A, I get to go to a wedding in Lake Como that I'm in. One of my, you know, best friends from college. We're in the same fraternity. The whole, you know, shebang. Got to go do it. Um, but at the same time, I know that when I take off that week, Bill's going to call me and say, where are you? What are you doing? NFL starts next week. What's going on? So I, I'm trying to get ahead of it and say, look at all the work that I did, I've done prior to this. But again, Kyle Mann is out. Producer Kyle is going to be out. I have to, I will book uh, the show. I will record the show. I will edit the show probably at this point. No, um, no. We got an intern that's probably going to be around maybe. Maybe. So I could be editing the show. Luckily for me, that's I've had to do it before and you I'll do it skills. again. I'll do it again. <laughs> you have I the don't tools. care. Um, but yeah, so we're going to we're gonna figure out those shows. Maybe we'll try to get some guests. Chris Vernon. Shout out to Chris Vernon. He was going to come on this show today. Talk about Memphis. Uh, if you did not see this, Drake, who claims Memphis is one of his cities. That's where his dad um, was for a lot of the time of his childhood. Uh, he has snubbed Memphis on his tour. He is not going to Memphis. Chris Vernon is irate about this. So I wanted him to come on. Drake is a, a central character on the show, you know, just because of his involvement in basketball. Um, so the idea of Verno eviscerating Drake, who is aligned with Kentucky and Calipari, who used to be a Memphis tie. I mean, it's a great rivalry, great conversation. And Chris, Golden State and Toronto. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know what I mean? But uh, Verno is supposed to come on, but then he texts me, oh, man, I got my show at that time. So I let it slide. Well, maybe we'll get Verno on the show uh, in the next couple of weeks. By the way, went to a live Drake show. Wasn't blown away. 
No, Drake, uh, here's what Drake does. I've been to three separate Drake concerts. We'll put a car up on some strings. Everybody goes, ooh, there's some smoke. I'm running around. That's that's it. The first Drake concert I went to, he had a torn ACL. So he literally could not move. And was he, he limping? Yes. And he sat in a wheelchair for a little while of it. And everyone Jimmy. was like, Jimmy. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is 2012, the, the first time I saw Drake. Um, and Drake's key move, and in case you haven't been to a Drake concert, I hate to break it to you. Drake likes to say one word of the line and then turn the mic to the crowd. So if if you go to a Drake concert, you're basically there to sing his songs there to, to him. You're there to work. You're serenading Drake. And then he just like reacts and like covers his head. Like, how do they know my lyrics? You know what I mean? Then in between the songs, he just tells stories. It's basically story time with Drake, uh, which I, I guess is kind of like a podcast. Drake should have a podcast. We should give him a podcast. That's what his concerts yeah, are. Yeah, right. right. So it's a live podcast. We love those. Um, speaking of Drake, shout out to John Calipari. There was a lot of haters out there early in the offseason that said John Calipari has a young, the youngest roster in the SEC, he has no experience. This is going to be a disaster of a year. Get rid uh, you know, of Calipari, move on from him, yada, yada, yada. I've learned this. The mainstream media, even though they cover Kentucky, they seemingly hate Kentucky. And I want to say, as someone who's in the quote-unquote mainstream media, I love Calipari and I love Cal's guys. And I think he's a great character. We need more of him. And he has a great roster put together now. And all you needed was patience, right? That's all you needed in this conversation. Now you all look dumb because it's the offseason. You jumped the gun. Calipari said, gotcha, bitch. And uh, and now he's got a great roster. And it, what else is he doing? He's, I got a shout-out yeah, for, for Calipari, who's... Uh, the, here's the headline from Wildcat Blue Nation. So maybe that should tell you something. <laughs> Kentucky basketball, Wildcats add trap game to non-conference schedule. Trap and game. who is that trap game against? It's going to be against St. Joe's at mm. Rupp Arena on November 20th. Which leads me to ask, is, every, is any game a trap game? If any game that you could technically lose, is that a trap game? Yes. Any game that you schedule, unless it's Our Lady of the Lake or any of the schools that Will Wade is scheduling, is a trap game. Schools without a, a mailing and, address. <laughs> and trap games are capped in hindsight. It's after the fact. I mean, you can mark a trap game early. You can see it and say, oh, man, I don't want to play a Virginia Tech on a Monday night. You know, that's a trap game. Like, forecasting. But it's not confirmed trap until you've been trapped. Um, and Calipari right there, he's... I like you get ahead of the narrative. You're like, this is a classic trap game, but I'm willing to test our guys. We're going to put them in an environment that they're not going to be comfortable in, and we're going to see who they are as players. That's old school, baby. Right. It says uh, St. Joe's oh, came close to knocking off Village Villanova last year. They lost by seven. So uh, I guess now it's a trap game. It's a trap game. I like it. Uh, shout out to uh, our, guy, our guy, Tad Boyle. Uh, he's talking about UCLA's guys that are coming to international guys. And he basically said they're the real deal. So um, we talked about them with Kyle Mann. Um, you got other coaches in the league confirming that they are the real deal. So I wanted to give that shout out. Also want to shout out Cooper Flagg. Uh, we talked uh, with our guy Joe Tipton, a.k.a. Tipton Edits. He came on the show, talked about the race between Cameron Boozer and Cooper Flagg. Cooper Flagg took his visit to Duke this weekend. And also there's some scuttlebutt going around from our guy Brian Scalabrini. Shout out to Scal. Um, very funny guy, always has great stories, always has great insights. But Scalabrini was telling a story that apparently at Bradley Beal's camp, and if you remember anything about Bradley Beal, he had this moment go viral where he's talking to a bunch of teenage guys uh, that are playing for his AAU team. And he said, if any of you think that you can guard me, like I'll fuck you up. Like that, that was basically what he said to these 13 year olds. One of them being Caleb Love, who ended up playing in North Carolina now at Arizona. But Bradley Beal at his camp against Cooper Flagg, apparently they were playing one-on-ones. This is all according to Scalabrini. And Cooper Flagg 
was just wrecking Bradley Beal. <laughs> um, and I don't know what Suns fans want to take away from this. I, I don't know what to take away from it either. But I do know Cooper Flagg apparently talks a lot of trash. And he apparently got under the skin of Bradley Beal, according to Scalabrini. And Bradley Beal was like, like, buck up. You know what I mean? Are so, basketball camps trap games for NBA players? I think they are. <laughs> I think they are. I, I remember Jordan one time, like, he he had this, uh, this is after he retired, but he had his camp. He had, like, people would come up and play him one-on-one. Um, and there's this one guy, I think, I can't remember his name. I think his last name was Jones, but he beat Michael Jordan three to two. Um, like it made like a ridiculous circus layup to win. And Michael Jordan, like had to shake his hand and probably still thinks about it to this day, (laughs) but you're right. I mean, camps are trap games. They, they are trap areas, trap spots, but not that kind of trap spot. Um, maybe you you close it to the media, like Duke was trying to do for their, uh, right. For for their, uh, event. Poor Let's Duke, by the way. We're, we're pouring one out for Duke. But uh, they got Cooper Flag on campus. Cooper Flag made uh, Bradley Beal get upset. So that was a nice little uh, sidebar um, as far as, like, the, the bigger college basketball slash high school basketball combinations. There's also a lot of scuttlebutt going around right now about Bryce James, uh, son of younger son of uh, LeBron James. A lot of high school. I live in the Valley now, and if you don't know about the Valley in Los Angeles, there's Notre Dame High School, which is where Giancarlo Stanton went. There's Harvard Westlake, which is where Ben Simmons went, goes. Uh, Crossroads is around, right? Crossroads is in Santa Monica. But th- then there's Sierra Canyon, which is where Bronny went. KJ Martin, that whole group. Um, and then there's Campbell Hall, which is where people thought, which is right near my where I live. People thought that's where Bryce was going to go. Um, there's a lot of, uh, people are sourcing me high school basketball stuff now. I don't know why, but apparently you don't want to be in that. Game. I don't want to be in it. <laughs> I don't, don't want to be, be in it, game. but apparently Bryce James is now going to go to Notre Dame high school. And the reason I'm bringing this up, Kyle is because he's going to be playing with master P's son, oh. Percy Miller. Um, and Notre Dame is a really good school. They beat, you know, Sierra Canyon twice this year with Bronny James, um, had a lot of talent. They had, a, they got a kid that's going to play for Duke next year, but, um, yeah, Notre Dame High School right up the road for me. I will be going to games. And Master P, the last time I talked to Master P, I was in BJ Armstrong's office. Master P had a guy there that looked like Barack Obama, but it wasn't Barack Obama. And he literally was filming the entire thing and made him do an interview with us where this guy was the supposed to be the 2024 presidential candidate. I don't know what happened to that guy. And he guy. just happened to look like Barack Obama. No, I mean, basically Master P ambushed the Wasserman office. He just showed up with this presidential nominee and a camera guy and was just going around trying to take meetings Strong-arming interviews. Right. It was incredible <laughs> stuff. And I was like, that's why he's no limit. He's a no limit soldier. Uh, I love Master P. I love the Miller family. Shout out to Romeo as well. Played at USC back in the day, but they got some talent. They got, you know, a son at Louisville right now, but the, I think this might be their best kid at Notre Dame. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, that's the high school basketball scuttlebutt that's going on. But like I said, we're in the dog days of summer. Kyle's about to leave me. Um, I'm very worried about that, uh, but we'll see if we can keep the show up and running at that point. It might be, uh, I might be like Swiss Beats of podcasting, just a one man band out here, but we'll see what happens. Any more shout outs, Kyle? Yeah, let me just read you some headlines. Please. Then. Here's one from SI. Eric Musselman, not as frustrated this year. Right. I'm not going to go into it. That's just what it says. That's a good headline. And it's also, Musselman was frustrated because last year, 
let's be honest, he had too he had too much talent. And sometimes when you have too much talent, you don't know what to do with it. You got a lot of handlers involved. They're telling you who should play, who shouldn't play. There was conversations if Nick Smith was just going to sit out the year, but they needed Nick Smith. There was a whole lot. So Musselman, good for him. We got to have Lombardi back, by the way, because Musselman and Lombardi he's are the, guys. He's the must whisperer. Yeah, he, he's kind of like my uh, conduit to the Musselman family. So uh, we, we'll have Lombardi back to talk about that. Good he- good headline. What else do we got? Here's another on? one. Uh, yeah. I think you'll like this one. Just uh, Penny Hardaway in Memphis hanging loose and Dominican Republic. I see they're playing glow in the dark golf. Uh, I think that's a good choice to take your team to the DR. I got a bunch of friends who are like, you know, first generation kids from the DR. They say it's a magical island. Yeah. Uh, they love it. A lot, so, of, uh, lot of talent in the DR uh, as well. And I'm talking about like baseball talent and basketball talent. So I think Penny's probably down there. He's trying to have... Uh, his his own little Dave Odom moment, like Dave Odom famously went to the Bahamas and then somehow met Tim Duncan and was like, "I like that kid. He should come play basketball in the U.S." And then Tim Duncan ends up going to Wake Forest. That's it. Feels like Penny Hardaway is doing that in the DR right now. Also, Penny Hardaway is winning the NIL game. There was a kid that was supposed and signed to go to UCF to play for Johnny Dawkins, and then all of a sudden he just tweeted like, go Tigers, and he ends up in Memphis. Um, A lot of people are upset about this, but Penny's winning the game, so I love to see that. That's a good headline. I love it. Here's one. This is from ESPN. Credible. Way too early. Top 25. St. John's is in as Tennessee dips out. That's what we like to see. I love to see it. Uh, Like I said on the last show, Rick Pitino is our guy. We love the Rick Tater, Slick Rick, whatever you want to call him, and uh, I love the two freshmen. Brady Dunlap, who is from Harvard-Westlake, and then you got Simeon Wiltshire who's from New Jersey and was supposed to go to Carolina, but then decommitted and signed with St. John's. So uh, Rick Pitino has got a good team. They got some experience. Joel Soriano is back as well. So a uh, top 25 team for Rick. That's what you want. That's what we're here for. We're here to propagate, to get him back in the top 25. Looks like our work is done here. Uh, wipe our hands clean of the situation. Um, one last shout out for me, shout out to Asheville, North Carolina. There is the Asheville championship that is coming up. I will be going to Asheville on Monday, uh, to shoot on Tuesday and I'll be back on Wednesday. Um, but we're shooting for the Asheville championship, some promo stuff. That is a tournament that I've worked on the past three years. It is a fun tournament. It is a ridiculous tournament, but this year it's the best field that they've ever had. It is Clemson. So shout out to all the Tigers fans. Davidson, shout out to Steph Curry. Maryland, shout out to Coach Kevin Willard, who will be on the show. And shout out to UAB, the Blazers. UAB, a very underrated basketball program. Andy Kennedy running a good program there. So shout out to Trent Dilfer on the football team there. Right. Well, there you go. Um, And, you know, in general, those four teams are going to draw hopefully a crowd. So uh, if you're looking to go to Asheville, um, you know, early November, you know, you want to do a little mountain trip or whatever you want to do. That is the time to do it and go to a great basketball tournament. So I'm going to be in Asheville on Monday. I'll have some boots on the ground coverage about what's going on there and uh, maybe some updates on some things. But we'll figure out a time with Kyle Mann. Um, he'll be out the next two weeks after next Monday. So that, that'll be the last Monday show with Kyle Mann for two weeks. Kyle will be back in what? Uh, 15 days or whatever the hell it is. I'm going to take it easy. I'll figure it out. Oh, my God. I I, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, folks. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe maybe I uh, maybe I start a show. Like, do you want to be my producer? And, hey. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking some much-deserved time off, guy. You deserve it. You deserve it. You, you got two big-time shows you need a break from, and uh, we'll figure it out on this end. Uh, there's some big-picture off-season stuff we're going to figure out as well. Again, appreciate everyone listening. I'm flying to Mexico, Puerto Vallarta, for the first time tomorrow. Um, if this is the last time you hear from me, I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the show. It's the off-season. Um, it's all you can do. And then uh, I'll be in Asheville, and I'll be reporting from Asheville. Kyle, anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, I mean, you made it from Myrtle Beach to Vegas. I think you can go 
to wow. uh, you can you can go Puerto Vallarta, not Vallarta. Yeah, I'm from North Carolina, Just man. We're shopping before you get there. Vallarta. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, apparently, they'll speak English to me, and uh, that'll be great. I I can only say "como se dice" whatever I want to say, and then and then you can move on from there. That's always the move. Um, appreciate everyone listening again. Thanks to Stephen Bardo for coming on the show, and we will see you either on Monday or early Tuesday, depending on schedules. But again, early next week, we'll see you then. Sports.